Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. All right. Hey, well, welcome, welcome to church. Great to see everybody this morning. I haven't had the chance to meet you yet. Uh, my name is Samuel, and it's just my absolute honor to get to serve you guys here. Before we jump into the message, I've got somebody I would like to introduce you to. So this here, we're going to throw a picture up here. This is Brandon. Now, Brandon is newly married. He's got a full-time job, and he's also in college as well, uh, but he loves to cook. He's like, cooking is that thing. He goes, I just enjoy it. So every Sunday, he gets up extra early, and he, and you probably recognize Phil in the background there, but he and Phil and whoever it might be that week, they make breakfast for the dream team. In between services, you have a lot of people that serve one service. They might be with kids one service, and then they, uh, in between, get some breakfast, and they come and attend the next service. Or they might attend the first service and switch it around, but, but they make breakfast for the dream team. So he's over there. He's like, I love cooking. I get to. He's like, I, I, I'd love to be able to do that. So he gets over there, and what do they do? They cook somewhere roughly around 15 pounds of fruit, 10 pounds of potato, 10 dozen eggs, 8 pounds of bacon, come on bacon, 6 pounds of sausage. I mean, they just like, yeah, we're just going to get together. We're going to do this. And he's like, this is what I, I enjoy doing. So he gets to help and be a part. And that dream team I talked about, those are just the people that are like, hey, we know what our gifts and talents are, and we're going to leverage them to build the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I will build my church. I tell people all the time, you want to be at the forefront of what God is doing on the earth today, then be a part of building his church. Because Jesus said he was going to do it. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Brandon is just one of those. He's like, yep, I'm going to use my gifts. I like cooking. I'll help make some food for people. And let me just say, if those dream teamers, how good is that breakfast? Come on, it is so good. Every week, in and out, we just have some amazing team that do it. Um, can we just give the dream team, just all of them actually, let's give them a great big hand for setting everything up, tearing it down, making it pretty. Um, honestly, that's who, do, that's, who, that's who does all of the work. It's just a bunch of people that are like, hey, let's be a part of making it great for those people that are going to come. Um, they could choose to stay home or they could watch online, but they're like, no, we're going to give of our time and we're going to make sure the church is welcoming, that things look nice, that it's tidy, that the kids' area is clean, that there's people ready to receive kids and, and to minister to them. Why? So that somebody else can experience and hear the word and see what God has to do in and through them. Uh, it, it is a joy. But we're in this series right now, and it's called The Vow. We're talking about marriage. And last week, we started really just looking at how to kill your marriage because you need help, right? Like, how do I kill this thing? No, no, no. What we're looking at is, really, we started reading in 1 Corinthians 13, and it's the love chapter, okay? And really, it lays out what the Bible says that love is. But what we can often do is we can look at a target and say, that's great. And especially when I'm about to read this, you'll be like, yeah, that's way out there. And we can just kind of keep thinking, I want to move closer to that. What we're doing is we're looking at the exact opposite of what each of these characters of love is and saying, how close to that are we? Because <laughs> in most of our lives, we might be closer to the opposite. When we find ourselves there, we can make some adjustments right now instead of just thinking, well, that's just this lofty idea that's really far out there. 
and begin to make some adjustments so that we can have the, the great marriages that we were designed to have, that we were absolutely designed to have. So if you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 13 is right where we're going to start. So jump in, and here we're going to go. Here's what it says, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. It says, love is patient and kind. It is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. It never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. It sounds pretty good, but anybody be like, yeah, I totally do that. Like, I got it. I'm nailing it. Like, I don't, I don't think any of us are. Now, one thing I pointed out last week is we're going to pick up where we left off. But one thing I pointed out last week is this. Not one of those things is a feeling. When you hear somebody say, well, we're just not in love anymore. So choose to be. None of those are feelings. Every one of those is a choice. Like, you just choose to do it. You ever feel like not brushing your teeth? No, that's a hard one. Okay, most of us are like, them. no, not really. But what about flossing? Who here loves to floss? Like, they're just like, mm, can't wait. That's my dad, okay? I grew up, and he, like, carries around with him, not a Swiss Army knife, but floss. He was just a flossing machine, always. He's just, I hate it, hated it. I was like, what in the world? Okay, there's some things that we don't really just want to do, but we know we need to do them. We make that choice. Love is a choice. We don't fall in and out of it. We choose to walk in it. We choose to walk in it. So we're going to kick off right kind of where we left off last week, and that's this. Love is not rude. So then here's the question. When is it that you are rude to your spouse? And here's the thing I want you to think about with me. Have you ever been at home, and maybe you've done this or you've seen this happen, where you're having an agreement or maybe you're just, you guys, you're just not in the greatest mood and you're, so you're just like, yeah, don't do this, and, 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 and you're kind of maybe even being a little bit ugly to each other, and you're like, well, I don't like that, and then the phone rings, and, and it's a call, and they have to take it, and that same person goes, well, no, put that down, and don't do that again, and, hello, Vanderclock residents, how can I help you? And they just completely change their voice. They completely, in an instant, go from to hello, or the doorbell rings, like, yeah, hello, yes, oh, thank you so much for that package, Amazon, so, you know, it just changes like that. Well, when we think of being rude, here's the, the crazy thing is we can so easily give our best to people that we, we might never even see again, but what we tend to do is we give our worst to the one that we said, I'll love you for the rest of my life. And we see it in so many different areas. We dress up to go out, right? And then we come home after a long day and we're like, oh, I'm just exhausted from my day. And we get home and I don't have energy for anything else. Well, can I just say that we've got it? then we've got that backwards. And here's where this really comes in is, it's we end up being rude when we get familiar with that, that we, we, what we have. And not because what we have isn't special, but it just becomes our normal. 
it becomes normal, and so we're like, oh yeah, okay. Now, the Bible says in Matthew 6, 1, that Jesus, okay, just think about this, Jesus, the man that raises the dead, heals the blind, that they watch cripples and paralytics and those with shriveled hands just like stretch them out, and right before their eyes, they're healed. He speaks, he multiplies food. I mean, Jesus was about food too, okay? There's a hungry crowd. He feeds 5,000 men, not counting women and children, with a happy meal, just some loaves and fishes, like that, that everybody gets food. This Jesus shows up. He says this in Mark 6, 1, then he went out from there and he came to his own home country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing were astonished. So they hear what he has to say, and they're like, wow. Saying, where did he get these things? And what wisdom is this which has been given him that such mighty works are performed at his hand? So they're seeing what he has been able to do. They're hearing what he has taught. Is this not, this is verse 3, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to him, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. And the Bible says, And there he could do no mighty works. A whole town missed out on Jesus hearing what he said and healing. Why? Because they said, We know him. I remember him when he was a kid. I know his sisters. And here's what it is. It's familiarity. It is hard for us to value what we are familiar with. We get accustomed to so many things. So let me just tell you the number one way that you fight becoming just familiar and taking, taking your spouse for granted, and that's thankfulness. It's being thankful. It's being thankful for what you have. And you can do that a lot of different ways. Um, you can say it out loud, just what you're thankful for. I was looking at some pictures this week and kind of digging through some stuff and trying to find some. And, and, and so I was going through our server and looking at all these, and I just found, found pictures, tons of pictures of us back and I mountain biking. Um, pictures of the girls and, and just different trips that we'd taken and, and, and the house. Um, and, and I just looked at that and I'm like, oh my goodness. Man, let's think of the family that she's given me, these amazing kids. And I just found, as I was even just looking at these pictures, um, I was like, man, I have got it so good. And just remembering. Um, another way that you can just be thankful is, is to speak it. One of the ways I hope that this is happening on a regular basis for you is in your prayers, as you're praying for your spouse. God, I thank you. And that you're, you're, you're praying for and saying what you're thankful for in your spouse. You know, Proverbs 15.5 or 15.15 says this. It says, all the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. The circumstances are the same. It's two people. They can, they can be in the same room. One is just like, ah, this is awful. And the other one has a continual feast because they're cheerful. They're thankful. 
When you choose to be thankful, don't take your spouse for granted. Be thankful. Don't let it be said of you they didn't know what they had until it was gone. Choose to be thankful. And no matter how bad it is, you have something to be thankful for. Choose to be thankful. The next one is that love, in 1 Corinthians 13, says that love does not demand its own way. Love does not demand its own way. So here's the question. When is it that you demand your own way? When is it that you make decisions based on what you want without thinking about your spouse? When is it that you demand your own way? Don't be like the guy that I heard about that threw a party for his wife's birthday and then pulled in um, and he got his wife a fishing boat. And she didn't like to fish. And he thought it was funny. They were divorced within three years. Um, when is it that you demand your own way? Now, if your wife's into fishing, you go for it. Like, absolutely. Like, if that's it and you guys go do that together, absolutely. Um, demanding your own way, is, it doesn't matter what it is that you want. We're going to do, this is, this is what's best for me. And you don't regard their desires. One of the things, when, when, when Beck and I were dating, um, we, we didn't really date really long. Uh, it was about, about, about two weeks, about 14 days to be exact. That's, that is, that's two weeks of, of really just trying to get to know each other. And, and you really can't, just so you know. You cannot get to know somebody super well in 14 days. I tried. Um, I was right, but I was also really lucky. Becca's asked me before, she's like, if I ever died, which I don't know why girls do this. Maybe your wife does, but my wife does. She's like, if I died, would you get married? And I was like, no. And she's like, well, why not? And then she's like, and seriously, why not? Because they say that those who are happily married are the ones that want to get remarried. And I was like, well, no, um, I got lucky once and it will not happen twice. Like, I, I just, I know that. Like, it ain't happening like this again. But we were dating and we were, we were having lots of fun. So we were going running and I took her mountain biking. I was like, well, do you like kayaking? We're doing all these, these things that I considered fun. And I was like, do you enjoy doing this? And she's like, yes, I do. And I'm like, no, do you really enjoy this? And she's like, yes, I do. And I'm like, I hope, I go, if you're lying, like if you're pretending to like this, then you got to pretend for the rest of your life because I love this. <laughs> like this is, this is great. And she's like, no, I really do. And I had dated a few girls and, and they would pretend to like things and be like, oh, I do. Like one in particular was like, oh, I love running and I'm, I'm a runner. I was like, well, good, let's go run together. So we, we showed up at Kent Trails and we, we met at the trail and we go to go running. And, and so I get my running shoes on, I'm getting ready. And, and I, she puts her shoes on and, and then she steps out on the asphalt and I hear like, I'm like, what was that noise? And I hear, and I'm like, What's the bottom of your shoes? And I look at the bottom of her shoes, and um, they were pink, first of all, which that's fine. I didn't, I didn't make, but the bottom of the shoes, instead of having a rubber bottom, it was plastic. And I'm like, you're going to run with plastic. And she's like, oh, no, no, I'll be fine. So she tries to take a couple steps, and sure enough, it's like, it, it doesn't work. And I was like, oh, man, you don't, what do you mean? You don't run. I know you don't run. And I was like, well, I've got to get my miles in. I'm like, I'll be back in about 20. So I just took off running and left her in the parking lot. And as I'm, as I'm running, and, and I'm like, oh. she 
there's no way. I'm just thinking the whole time, I'm like, this girl is faking. Like, she does not actually like, there's, there's no way you would run with plastic shoes. Like, I do, like, no, no, no. And so we get, I get back to the parking lot, and she's there, and it was not Becca, and I was like, this is not going to work out. But one of the things that I was like, I was like, okay, with Becca, I'm like, okay, are you for serious? Do you really enjoy doing these things? Do you enjoy this? Because I enjoy biking. I want to do this together. I don't want to be off doing this on my own. I want to, if I'm loving this, are you? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, okay. Um, and didn't, it wasn't quite like this, this, uh, this kind of seems like entrapment. It wasn't, okay, just, just so you know. It wasn't quite this back-to-back, but we had decided to get married, and I was like, okay, I'm going to get you a ring, and she's like, okay, you're going to pick it out? I said, yep, I'll, I'll pick it out. So I went and I picked out an engagement ring, and I went to Beck, and I was like, hey, um, we've been looking at, at, at some bikes, some mountain bikes, particularly for her, because she didn't have one, and I was like, what do you want? Because, like, I could get you a diamond, or I, instead, I could get you a kayak and a mountain bike. What do you want? And she goes, she does not hesitate. She goes, I want a kayak and a mountain bike. And I'm like, that's my girl. That's my girl right there. So I spent the money. Don't get me wrong. I spent the money. I spent the money. Can we put that picture up there? But she wanted a kayak, so she got a kayak. And so this was us actually shortly after we um, we got it. I think we were married by this point. And she's got goggles and a little nose thing on because she was practicing rolls where you could get under and learning how to flip back up. So we got that, and we got a mountain bike. I think I got a picture of her doing that. And this was us actually in Vermont. We were out there on the Kingdom Trails. We went out there with some friends, and we've got tons of pictures of her and I biking together because that's what we were doing together. So we go places and, and we just, we, we ride and we have fun. And, but here's what that is, is that's us doing something together. It's not me having my thing. And that's what I wanted to make sure that I didn't have. So yeah, I, I went to the, to the jeweler and it was really funny because I, I, uh, I went and I found this uh, cubic zirconium. They look like diamonds, but they're not. And the, and the diamond was going to be about $4,300, and this cubic zirconium was less than fifteen. And I was like, sweet. So I bought it, and I went to the jeweler, and, and I go in there, and so I, I take it, it's in this little baggie, and so I give him this, and I'm like, I'd already picked out the ring. I'm like, will you put this in, in the ring? And so he takes it out and puts it on the little pillow and looks at it and says, yeah, okay. So he goes, he goes to the back, and I'm waiting, and he, and he comes back out, and he goes, uh, and, and it's not on a pillow anymore. Now he's got it in this bag, and he goes, that's not real. And I go, oh, I know. And he goes, does she know? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, she knows. And he's like, we don't do those. I go, what do, you, what do you mean? And he goes, we don't put those in. He goes, I have hundreds of stories of women bringing in their rings to get cleaned, and then they find out they're fake. And I'm like, why would you tell them? Like, why? <laughs> like, seriously? But anyways, and I was like, okay, okay. I'm like, but, but my, my, she knows. And he's like, we, we won't do that. I was like, all right, fine. So I just took it, and I went and found another jeweler and told the guy, I'm like, okay, so this, I want it to go in here. I'm like, and apparently he should probably tell you it's fake. He's like, I don't care. He was this really interesting guy. So he helped me put it all together, and, and we got that, and I gave it to her, and she loved that fake ring. She loved it. And then she lost it like a couple of years later, and uh, she ended up replacing it with a couple of small um, 
silver rings. She goes, you know, I don't even want to rock this time. I'd rather have some small rings. She goes, I, I already know where they are. They're at the store up, up in Traverse City. So I said, well, at least let me buy them for you. So I went to the store with her, and we bought these three little rings. And, and she's, she's been wearing those ever since until last year when we were mountain biking. <laughs> and she crashed. She hit a tree. And the brake lever uh, got between the tree her hand and her handlebar, and it just slammed down like pliers on her finger. And she can't get those rings back on yet because there's like the calcium or something like buildup underneath there. So like she rubber finger just trying to get that to, to go away. And so she doesn't wear that anymore. But for her, she's like, that's not important to me. And let me just say this, what you're meant to chase after is might not be what everybody else is chasing after. Here's what it says, it says, does not demand its own way. Here's what it means. It means you don't just sleep together, you dream together. It's you guys deciding this is where we want to go together. And it might not look like everybody else, and you might not have the same things at the same importance as every other couple that you know or this friend group that you have over here or this person on TV. And I'm going to guess it's going to be different because you're spirit-filled, word-believing, faith-talking, Jesus-worshiping, couple. It's going to be different. But you look and you come together and you say, this is what is important to us, so this is what we're seeking after. I'm not going to be rude and be like, okay, well, this is just my time to do my thing. Um, I'll tell myself a little bit here. When we first got married, um, I told Becca, I said, I'll be the best husband you ever have 11 months out of the year. I said, but then deer season's going to come and I'm going to be gone. And, and, and I would just be like, okay, it's, 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 it's time to hunt. Uh, for me, it's October. I don't really like gun hunting. I, I will, but I, I prefer to shoot them with my bow. I'm like, this is, this is how I want to do it. And there was a few times where I'd be like, hey, can I go hunting? Or even a few like, hey, I'm hunting, by the way. Got to go by. Um, phone calls. And it, Becca called me out on it. And she's like, you're putting this in front of me. And I'm like, yeah, but I love it. <laughs> and it's only 11 months out of the year. And she's like, you're absolutely right, but you still are. Um, and I, I had to change that. I had to change that. I, I love hunting, don't get me wrong, but I had to change that. And just great on Becca that she also at the same time was like, okay, well, I'll try to make it work when I can and we, we, we started having kids, and, and, and I'll just tell you this, four out of our five were actually planned. No, excuse me, it's the other way around. One out of five were planned. Um, we were just like, hey, I like you, you like me. Oop, there's another kid. Like, okay. Um, we don't know what's going on here. It's just, it's just there's, here's another one and another one. And it's not like, yeah, um, that's enough detail there. But it's just like, yep, there's, there, there's another one. And so it was just a lot of kids at once, and they were coming. And, and um, I had to re reprioritize some things. But can I say, there was several different times. I remember, uh, man, probably four or five, maybe even seven years ago now. It was uh, the day after opening. I didn't go out on opening day, which for me was a big deal. Um, but she's like, hey, why don't you go out? I know it's season. And I'm like, I don't know. Um, I really should have been out like two hours ago. And she's like, yeah, but isn't something better than nothing? And I'm like, Yes, so mm, I, I go and I leave, and, and the place I was hunting was about three miles from the house, so I, I got out there really late, but I was like, well, at least I'm hunting at all. So I get out there, and everything lined up really well. Deer came by, drilled it, dropped it, and I'm calling. I'm like, I got one. And she's like, I'm so excited. She's like, I'm so excited. She's like, thank you for going. And I'm like, you're welcome. 
<laughs> You're welcome for doing the thing that I love. Um, and then this last year, we were hunting, and we, we had moved, we've moved, and I've always wanted, always wanted to be able to hunt on, my own la- on our own land. We've always had to go different places, and it's, it's worked out great and been a blessing. But I shot a deer, and I, Becca comes out of the house because it was on ours, and, and so the whole, whole family, we're, we're tracking it, and we're like, yep, we find it, and we're like, here it is. And I was videoing uh, just to be able to share the story and taking some pictures of some of this stuff. And I take a picture uh, of the deer right as I come up and find it, and I turn around, and Becca's videoing me getting the deer, and she's crying. And she's like, I have so wanted this for you. She's like, I know how much you've wanted this. She was dreaming with me. It wasn't just my dream. But can I tell you, I could have ruined it if I'd have been like, no, I like hunting. This is, this is how I relax. This is how I... I can almost guarantee that 15 years later, we wouldn't have been trailing deer together and crying about how happy we are because we got one. Love does not seek its own. It's coming together, praying together, realizing this is the vision and the goal that we have together where we're going, where we believe God is leading us, how he's going to use us, and then chasing after that with everything you've got. That's what it is. It does not seek its own. And it applies in every single area. Again, I told you we just started having kids and they just kept coming. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what to do. This, it wasn't our plan. Um, we got married and then Becca was pregnant eight months later. We were on a five-year plan. I was, I was like, we're going to have one in five years. A little, I know we'd have like almost five. Uh, we just got it reversed. We do have five, but just not in five years. But anyways, and, and I was like, holy cow. And, and the first two were girls. I was like, they're awesome. Um, but uh, what, do you, what do you do with girls? Like when they grow up, I don't, I don't know. And so I went and I found someone in church who, uh, at this point, the kids were a little bit older now. And, and the first two, we'd started to homeschool them because I worked Saturdays and Sundays. And Becca said, uh, if, if, I put these, if I put our kids in school, she was, if we put them in school next year, uh, you're going to get home from work. The kids go to bed at like 6 or 7 o'clock, and then you're going to be gone on the weekends. She's like, you're never going to see these kids. She's like, so I want to homeschool in this first year, and we'll, we'll see what happens from there. I was like, okay, sounds good. So now we're homeschooling them, and, and, and she's, she's like mostly pregnant. Like it just was a surprise. But, oh, there she is again. So, so we're homeschooling these kids and having lots of, ki- lots of babies. And so I went and I found somebody in church who they homeschooled their kids, they had six. They had some that had graduated, some that were in high school. They had boys and girls. And I just said, I walked up to him and I was like, hey, um, I see you around church. Um, your kids are plugged in. They're, they're connected. They're strong, like physically and spiritually. I said, can I ask you some questions? I said, can I just take you to lunch and ask some questions? He's like, absolutely. So I went and took him to lunch and sat down. I was like, here's a list of things. Like, what about this? What about this? And what do I do here? And, and what do you recommend here? And, and then at the end, I was like, and what, what didn't I ask that you're like, he really should ask, but I'm just too stupid to even know to ask. And he's like, one thing I want to tell you, he says, is this. He says, you prioritize your family in your budget. He goes, I told, he goes, this, this is what we did. He said, if I 
Didn't matter what I needed. He goes, I made sure that if my wife needed something for school, because they were homeschooling, and that's what we had started doing, he goes, she got what she needed for school. He goes, that came first. He goes, and then, and, and, he, and he, he's like, yep, you tithe first. He goes, but after that, it's time for you to take care of your family. 1 Timothy 5.8 says that if anyone does not take care of his own household, he is worse than an unbeliever, and he has denied the faith. So he's saying all those to me, and he's like, so you take care of your family. He goes, so number one is you give, you tithe. He says, but after that, he says, I made sure that my wife, if she needed something for school, I got it. And he goes, and then if she needed something for the home, she got it. He goes, I would find a way to make it work. He goes, my trip, my hunting this might have been canceled. He goes, you know, that, that thing, I, he was big into cars, so he had modded cars and all that. He goes, that might get put on, my project car might get put on hold. He goes, but my wife would get what she needed in the home. He goes, you don't seek your own in the budget. He goes, you do not seek your own in the budget. And I heard him loud and clear. I was like, okay. I'm, I'm going to do my best. And man, we had, we, we had some really tight years because we had decided, God had laid on our heart, I've shared it before, to pay off our house so that we could be ready to do what God called us to do. And it, was, it turns out we were going to not get paid and leave good jobs and, and start a church. We didn't know that. But so we were living really, really tight. I mean, I mean, really, really tight. Um, prolonging a bunch of stuff, but we just we made sure, like, if this is what she needs, this is what we're going to do. And God blessed it. He blessed it like crazy. But here's what that means, guys. We get to provide for our families. And that comes first. Not your trip. It comes first in that budget. It's God, and then it's our spouse, and then it's our family. So if that means that I wear that same pair of uncomfortable shoes another three years, then I'm going to wear that same pair of uncomfortable shoes for another three years. If that, I, what I did instead is I got some different soles for those shoes, and I put them in there. I was like, okay, I can get another year out of these shoes with these soles. Now, me, I've got wide feet. I blow out the side of most of my shoes, and I, I usually can't wear them that long. But it's like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to prioritize and not seek our own in the budget. And you're going to take the time to get together and dream together about where you're going to go so that that budget reflects where you want to go, not just the immediate this or that. Like we're working towards something together. We're working towards it together. We've been married a few years and, and I heard somebody said, like, do you have your 10-year, your 15-year, your 20-year goal? And I was like, no, I don't. So we went and wrote it down. So we've been married a couple of years, and we wrote down some of those things that Becca said. Like, so I was like, well, what would you want to do? What would your dream be? And she's like, well, um, I want chickens. I was like, okay, chickens. I like it. What else? She's like, goats. I'm like, okay, chickens and goats. And she's like, a schoolroom. I'm like, okay. So I wrote down chickens. I wrote down goats. I wrote down a schoolroom. I'm like, what else? And we had, what else did we have on there? We had uh, property. We wanted to have over 10 acres. We wanted property that had water on it. Um, I think I had a barn on there. We had all this stuff. We said, okay, this is our 10-year. Our all of that was in our 10-year. Um, we didn't make most of that in 10 years. But we had a goal in what we were doing. Now, we, we, I, we got some chickens. Um, we got a few of the things on there. And some of those things took a little bit longer for us. And your 10-year your, your list, it might take you three years. I hope it does. 
And then it's time to haul out and make another one. To seek God again and be like, God, are you still leading us here? Is this, is this still what you have for us? But love does not demand its own way. So what do we do? Instead, we make a way that we can move together. We prioritize our spouse and we move together. The next thing is this, is love is not irritable. Well, of course, this is common sense. But love is not irritable. So here's what, here's what we're talking about. Have you ever heard the saying, like, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy? No, that's not how it goes. That is not okay. Love is not irritable. So that means that just because dad has a hard day doesn't mean that everybody's avoiding dad because dad's home and dad's had a hard day. So everybody's walking around on eggshells around him like, oh, no. That's, that's not okay. Don't make an excuse for why it's okay to be irritable. Don't. Don't do it. Um, when, when Becca got pregnant for the third time, it was a little bit different. And, and we, had, we had two girls, and I was like, this is a boy. And she's like, no, it's not. I'm like, oh, yeah, because this, this is what it was. When she got pregnant with number three, which was Hunter, our first boy, um, like I could look out the window and be like, hey, it's sunny. And she's like, well, there's a cloud. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. Um, all right, I'm like, oh, hey, did you see that blue car? And she's like, it's more like teal. I'm like, okay, okay. Um, she was just like, it was just night and day difference. And if you talk to Becca, she's just the sweetest thing in the world. Okay, the biggest problem she has is just being too sweet and telling everybody anything. Like knocks at the door happened, and it's like a salesman. I'm like, don't give them your social security number. Like, don't do it. Okay, she would just be like, oh, hi. She, she just, but it was completely unlike her. And I just teased her and I was like, you are so antagonistic. She's like, no, I'm not. I'm like, see, see, you, you definitely are. And I just laughed. I said, this is a boy. You've got some testosterone. I'm like, this is a little bit different. And I don't know. I mean, we had two more boys after that, and she never had that same thing. I don't know if that's just like, hey, it was the first time or what. Or I don't know any of that. But I knew it was different. And I'm like, this is a boy. And then I told her, I was like, this is how you act with just a little bit of testosterone. I'm like, I'm a dude all the time. Like, I live this, like, all the time. I'm all, like, you wonder why I'm always ready to fight. Like, you ever heard of fight and flight? Like, I don't like airplanes. Why would I fly? Like, like it ain't happening. Like, I'm always like, yeah, let's fight. Let's do this. Like, that is my go-to every time. Like, I'm already there. You don't even have to go. Like, anyways. <laughs> don't have an excuse. Don't come up with an excuse to be irritable. Well, I'm just a guy, and this is how I am. No. No, 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 love is not irritable. Don't come up with an excuse. Don't, don't make it okay. Well, I had a really hard day. No, we give our best at home. That job that you're going out for, guess what happens? Economy goes down a little bit. They, they just fire you and replace you. That company you've built, how many times have we heard people who build companies from the ground up and then later they get booted off by their own board? That job you're at now, they will fire you and replace you with two people that they pay more than they're already paying you right now. It will happen. So why would you give your very best somewhere else and then come home and be like, I already gave it all away, so now I don't have any more energy for you? My job, your job is meant to support your home. Not your home supports your job. Give your best at home. Don't let that be the excuse 
of why you're irritable. Get rid of the excuses, whatever they may be, every one of them. Proverbs 31, on the line of excuses, says this in verse 10, who can find a virtuous wife? Her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Good and not evil. I'll say it another way, just to meddle a little bit. She does him good and not evil all the days of the month. (laughs) There's no excuse. Don't come up with an excuse. Well, this is just, I'm just... Get rid of love. If love is not irritable, don't make a way that makes it okay to not be nice. Choose. And here's the thing. We read through this and it says that they take note. Love does not give any record of wrong. What else does love do? It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices when truth gives out. It does not give up. It doesn't lose faith. It always hopes. It always endures. Love is amazing. And we can look at this and be like, I can't do it. You're right, none of us can. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I can't do this on my own. Choose. Say, I'm going to walk in love. It's not a feeling, it's a choice. And you want to know what love's superpower is? I think it's this next one. And it's this, love keeps no record of wrong. Love forgives. The superpower of marriage is forgiveness. If you, that person that you married, that you fell in love with, yeah, I said it, it's a choice, but you chose to love. You choose not to forgive. You can rip that thing apart. If Becca... If Becca wanted, I've given her so much ammo over the years. The things I've done wrong, times I've said I'm sorry and then I do it again, say I never will, I won't do it, and then I did. If she wanted to hold up and remember every one of those and use them against me every time she wanted to, I wouldn't even want to be in the same room as her. Because it's true. I've said hurtful things, I've done it wrong. But love keeps no record of wrong. Love forgives. You're going to have to forgive. Bible says those who marry will have trouble. Can I just say this? There's no one that you could have been with that it would have just been like smooth. Put those thoughts out of your mind and realize you're going to have to forgive. We all will. 1 Corinthians 3.13 says, Bear with one another and forgive any complaint you may have against someone else. Forgive them all. How do we do it? Forgive as Christ. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Psalms 103 paints a picture of what that is. And it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed your transgression. That's what we're meant to do. We're meant to forgive. You're going to have to. You don't just, okay, I'll remember this for later and bring it back up. Now, here's the thing. I wish forgiveness was a cliff. Like, it's just a choice that you make, and like, it was a cliff, and I could just push you off, and you'd be like, there, you forgave them. But that's not what forgiveness is. 
Forgiveness is you choose to do it, and then the next day or a few weeks later, you see them again, and, and the situation arises, and those feelings get up when you're like, <laughs> and you say, no, I'm not going to bring it up again. I'm not going to hold it over you. Now, there may be some situations where trust is broken, and I'm not saying that we completely ignore that. So you, somebody may need to re-earn some trust and, and come back in. We, we choose to forgive. We don't hold it against them. For some of you, this isn't that hard because you just forget. But for some of you, they even get close to saying those words that hurt you and every one of those feelings rush back in. You feel it just like it happened the first time and forgiveness for you, it's a lot of work. I could do an entire message just on forgiveness, but here's the, the, the greatest key I know to forgiveness is this, pray. The Bible says pray for those that persecute you. It says to pray for our enemies. I hope your spouse isn't your enemy, but even if they are, like it feels like it, our call is to pray for them. And when we pray for them, we watch, it changes us just as it much, just as much, just as much as it does them. I don't know how they hurt you, but I guarantee you're going to have to forgive. And forgiving means we don't use it against them. It's not a weapon that we keep in our pocket, our little trump card, because remember the way that they or what they didn't or what happened here or how they deceived, whatever it is. We choose to forgive. You're going to need it. We all do. And the thing about love is we read through all of this that 1 Corinthians say that love is. You look at that and you're like, man, how am I supposed to do all that? You can do it. You can do it through Christ who strengthens you. But can I just say, reading through that and just seeing it, until you've experienced it, you're not going to be able to do it. It's like looking at a picture of the ocean and how vast it is versus being out on a ship in the middle of it and all you see all around is horizon. Nothing. There's nothing else that compares to it. You can look at that picture. You can read accounts. But until you've been there and experienced it and had boat trouble in the middle of it, it's like nothing else. And you can hear all about God's love. You can read about it in books. You can see what it, you can hear testimonies. But until you've experienced God's forgiveness on the inside of you, let me just tell you, you don't know what it is. It's like nothing else. And we talk about loving. You can't do it without Him. No one can. It is divine. He's the number one reason why the Bible says two people that aren't married, he's like, they won't come together. They can't come together. You haven't experienced that. You don't know it. You're going to have to forgive. My prayer for you and for your marriage is that you wouldn't lose hope. You wouldn't get frustrated. You wouldn't settle for where you are. 
but that you'd love, that you'd lay down your life for your spouse. That you don't just live together and sleep together, but you dream together, that you pray together about where God is leading you and what you can do to take steps to begin to get one step closer to where God wants you to be. That you change and you prioritize your finances. You change, you prioritize your time. You say, God, we're going to honor you with all that we're doing. We're going to seek after you as a couple in all that we do. I just want to pray for marriages. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'd like to pray real quick. God, more as we're here in this room, we thank you for your word as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God, some of us, we need to forgive, and we know it. Some of us, we need to change some priorities. Some of us need to change the way that we've been spending our money. We need to change our budgets. We need to give our energy first at home. God, we've had it wrong. And we ask you to forgive us. And God, as we look at what love is, we know it's beyond us. Help us to love our spouse, to lay down our life, to honor and respect the amazing people that you have given us. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here this morning, you say, I've never experienced God's love, but I want to. Today is the day I want to give my life to him, and I want to know what it's like to be forgiven by the creator of the universe. I want to know what it's like. I want to experience his love for me. If that's you, you, I'd love the honor of praying with you right in your seat. If that's you, just lift your hand high right now and say, that's me. Today, I want to experience his love and his forgiveness. God, I thank you for your word. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God, our desire is to live for you. Thank you for your forgiveness and the hope that we have in you. As we leave this place, God, lead and guide our steps, our decisions, and all that we do, that we can lead those around us closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.